Welcome back to another episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine, and we're on episode 186. All right. I feel the need to <laughs> explain myself from last episode and the rant that I was on regarding how the fuck did you afford that European as vacation. <laughs> Look, throughout that rant, I was very, very clear that I am definitely coming across as a hater, as someone who may be jealous, and of course, in the root of jealousy is insecurity and all that bullshit. Um, it, it's true, but I think I also want to, because I had some self-reflection afterwards, per usual, and there's been some events that, that has taken place since that recording, and I realized that instead of being mad at Instagram and the accounts that I follow, whether people who I know personally or people who I just know on Instagram, um, instead of being mad at them and being hateful of the fact that, oh, they're on yet another international trip or being mad that someone, a YouTuber I follow, could be on an international trip and while on that international trip be able to afford a $2,000, $250 bag, <laughs> I realized that all of this is just a personal problem. Like, it has nothing to, and I, and I think I've, alluded to that in the last episode but I didn't really sit on that more like I think also yes I think there's this um agenda that social media has to make you feel like you need this and you need that and that it does influence you right that is the essence of influencer culture that's what I wanted to get into to start off this episode because if you don't have a, a check within yourself, like if you, you're not checking yourself, if you're not disciplining yourself, if you're not reflecting upon yourself, you are going to be influenced with the agenda that is social media. And throughout social media, you're influenced, right? So um, you could be following any account, um, but let's focus on influencers, right? Um, particularly accounts who make a living off of selling you stuff and influencing you to buy an outfit that they're wearing and that they're posing in in this photo. And they tag different um, stylists or like different uh, designers and stores in which in, in which clothes that they're wearing. So, that is an example of influencer culture because you're going to look at their outfit and be like, oh my gosh, I, I, I need leather pants. Wow, no, I need strappy heels. Oh, I need that tube top too. I need it, I need it, I need it, right? And of course you don't need it, but you place this idea of I can't be pretty or I can't be as stylish if I don't have that exact outfit. And with that, that is the root of influencer culture. That is how influencers, that is how these YouTubers and Instagrammers um, make their living. That is how they're able to, that is how that girl, that YouTuber who I was talking about is able to be on an international trip and, and still afford a luxurious item. Like that is how she's able to not be vacation poor or vacation broke. So... 
I think all in all, that is just the root of this society that we live in. We are constantly bombarded with advertisement and, you know, after advertisement. And there is this push to always spend your money. There is always going to be a lack of desire to, oh, let me put money aside and save, right? Let me... um, do this and save or let me invest here or let me learn how to manage my money better and instead of thinking like that your influence greatly to spend your money I'm going to spend my money on the next item that I see advertised here oh I need that new I need that tube top oh I need that dress I need those heels oh my gosh those boots are so in style so anyway I say all that to say that um, when you're not, like for me, you know, when I'm not checking in with myself and recognizing, oh, no, 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 I'm being influenced right now, then I'm going to be victimized by this culture. Now, it doesn't mean like, and I think my attitude was going against a lot of these influencers and being mad at them, like, look at you. Um, being a part of the problem, right? Look at you trying to make me broke. (laughs) It's like, it's just, um, I think it's pretty silly to think like that, actually, you know, really thinking about it. And I feel like instead of thinking like that, instead of pushing the blame on them, and sure, maybe there's a level of accountability that they could have. Like maybe there are influencers that, are more of a minimalistic approach. Maybe there are influencers that are more of a Christian approach, right? You know, maybe they influence you to worship God more while they (laughs) wear this nice YSL lipstick. You know, whatever the case is, I think the point is you cannot, like for me, like I cannot let other people dictate how I should live my life and what I should wear and what I should do with my money, you know, and, you know, just naturally, we're all going to be influenced, right? Like, it's okay to be influenced to an extent, I feel like, like, I have a list in my phone, in the notes app of items that I plan to purchase at some point or another in the future. And these items range from bathing suits to uh, cameras to a bike that I've been meaning to get. And like all of these items that I plan to purchase and I just have this list, this running list on my notes app, this running list. And with this list, it may feel overwhelming. It may feel like, oh, I need to get all of this, all of these items right now, right now. When it's like, no, like I could budget out, right? I could, I could determine what is a priority right now, or hey, what do I really want? Yeah, you know, what is a priority? You know, what do I really want to get into for the next couple of weeks? And what is an item from this list that could get me into whatever it is I want to get into, right? If I want to really bike ride for the next um, uh, upcoming weeks, you know, depending on the weather that's, that's um, that's taking place here in Houston, then I should really look into purchasing this bike that I've been looking at for the past couple of months. So I just say all that to say, I think, 
the attitude that I was having is just a reflection of maybe me not recognizing my own, um, just me not having enough time reflecting and being disciplined. And I think also, like, I was having this, like, victim mindset of, like, um, you know, oh, I can't ever, you know, I won't ever experience that, right? I won't ever experience what it's like to be in Europe or in Greece and all these places. Like, I was doing a lot of woe with me. And and here, you know, like you guys know, especially OG listeners, you guys know throughout this, throughout this podcast, the genesis of this podcast is me being uh, just completely transparent about any and everything that I choose to share at the very least. But it's sharing the ugly and it's sharing the vulnerability and it's sharing the insecurity and then it's sharing the triumphs, it's sharing the growth, it's sharing the maturity, like it's sharing all facets of Maxine. And I think that's really what um, I try to portray as much as possible. So ultimately, the question still remains, how the fuck do y'all afford that? <laughs> No, but I I do think, though, you know, again, with social media, and and that's also, again, it goes back to me. It all goes back to me because I have to sit back and realize, okay, there are accounts online and there are people online who purposely demonstrate a particular type of lifestyle, who purposely demonstrate a particular perception. And they're not going to be gritty and honest and say, hey, the reason why I'm able to afford going to Europe twice a year is I have a sugar daddy that I suck his dick for the next, you know, three weeks and he funds my vacation plans. Like, and that's no shot to anyone. But the point is, like, there are people who are able to afford these excursions because they do things that I'm not interested in doing (laughs) at the very least. I'm not interested in doing, I'm not interested in just getting into that lifestyle yet. They're not going to share that on Instagram, right? They're not saying, Hey, I'm doing this because I'm really sucking this, this, this 65 year old man's dick and he's super ugly and unattractive, but he has money and he's willing to spend it on me. Like what? (laughs) I don't, you know, we don't hear that. But instead, we see the the flights, we see the fancy hotel, we see the the lock, um, you know that lock uh, gate that's in Paris that people go to all the time, and they put a lock, and it's like this like love thing or whatever. But anyway, we see all the highlights. We see the highlights, and we don't see how did you get here. Like a lot of people don't recognize. A lot of people don't share the how did you get here part. They just show, oh, we're here, right? We, we've arrived. We've reached our destination. They just show that. But they don't show how did you get here. They don't show the process. They don't show that, hey, I'm sucking dick for the third time this week, and he's going to Venmo me $500, and with that money I'm going to use towards my trip. We don't see that. We don't see that. So – I think in those moments when I'm feeling, how did you afford that? Da, 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 da. I have to recognize that some people are able to afford 
these excursions because they're doing something strange for a little bit of change. And no, it's not everyone. You know, of course, there are people who, you know, are very moral or whatever. No, no judgment. Maybe judgment. But whatever. I think I just think ultimately there are people who, yes, you know, sure, they – they um they budget out their money they plan in advance da, 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 and but it's like we don't see that right like i just want people to be honest and share stuff with me because knowledge is power and when i'm aware of how did you get here and you got there because of um just a humble way of doing so right a way that i am interested in doing like i'm not interested in sucking dick to get you know change to afford this this uh, opportunity i'm not interested in that but i am interested in oh how did you manage your money in a way that afforded you this trip right i'm interested in that so i think what would be nice is if people were just fucking honest like i think what would be nice is if people have q a and just shared hey I set aside $300 every week or, you know, I, I set aside $600 every month until this date. That's a good idea, actually. I think I'm going to think about it like that just for myself. That's just, I just thought of that just now. Like, but it's just, it's nice when people share. That's what I'm talking about. Like, I just hate people who just hoard information, like we are living in this world. I know we like to be introverted. I know we like to say, you know, I'm solo dolo. I'm a loner, loner lifestyle. And look, I say that sometimes too. I get that. But we fucking have neighbors, right? I'm not in the woods. I'm not in the forest, right? I'm not in a desert. I don't have neighbors like 50 miles away from me. No, no, no. Literally next door, upstairs, to my left, to my right, downstairs are neighbors, Okay, I I find it so funny every time I step out of my apartment and like the elevator is like a door away from my apartment. And um, whenever I see someone standing for the elevator and I get to the elevator, I'm immediately I'm the type of person like I'm going to make eye contact with you like you could be white, black, whatever. Like, I'm going to at least acknowledge your presence at the very least. Like, I may not even say hello, but I'll make eye contact and I'll say hello with my eyes and I'll read the room, right? Maybe we could spark up conversation and it's like, oh, I love your dog. Your dog is so cute, you know, something like that. But I notice that oftentimes you have people just so... I don't know if it's afraid, right? I don't know if it's fear-related at all, but it's just you have people so quick to not look at you. <laughs> like, hello, the fuck? We both black. I, this is black woman. I don't know if she's a, a girlfriend of someone or she's a resident here because she'll go to the garage and she'll go to a particular floor that is reserved for guests. So I'm assuming that she's a guest and she's just a, a significant other of someone who already lives there. Maybe that African guy who lives around 
I haven't seen it in a minute. Hmm, he may, it may be that. Oh, interesting. I remember there was this incident <laughs> of, and I didn't open my door, but I peeped through, I looked through the peephole, and the one of my African, one of my neighbors, I think I have two African neighbors, but no, I think it's just one, yeah. And anyway, so it was late at night. Well, late enough for me. I think it was like midnight. And I hear two voices. This African man. How do you know who's African? I, I fucking know. It's not no racist shit. It's not, it's not, I fucking know. There's an accent, okay? And I've seen him before. And I, I just, I could easily, I could easily attach, oh, that's the guy. Anyway, so I didn't open my door, but I looked through the peephole trying to catch a look. But I didn't really see much, but I heard a lot. And um, what happened? <laughs> a woman, she's like, somebody help me. Oh, my gosh, you fucking asshole. You, you, where's my shoes? Where's my shoes? First, they were arguing about her shoes. I think he took her shoes, hid her shoes purposely. Something happened. And so she's mad over that. She's ready to leave, but her shoes aren't, like she doesn't have her shoes. And so she says, this man's trying to rape me. This man's trying to rape me. And I'm like, ma'am, that's not what happened. <laughs> that's not what I heard earlier. You're mad about some shoes. Now, look, I don't know what happened necessarily. I don't know what took place in that apartment. But why did I bring that up? I brought that up because neighbors are everywhere. <laughs> And as quick as we are to eavesdrop and be nosy and be in the business of other people, we should be just as interested in helping others, even a neighbor, even someone off the streets, as much as you can. And at the very least, when we hoard information, it's just, it's just mind-boggling to me how one would think that's acceptable. You know that bitch never fucking responded to my, um, yeah, I'm calling her a bitch now because it's like, at this point, you fucking with me. I'm talking about the girl I was talking about, a former colleague of mine who left teaching a couple of months ago and I recently responded to a post that she shared and, you know, congratulating her because she was sharing a, celeb a celebratory post. And I just took it upon myself to send her a DM, um, just, you know, um, letting her know that, hey, I too have left che uh, teaching and, um, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of, you know, applying to other jobs, yeah, yeah, and wanting to know hey, how was your transition? Basically just asking her some insight on her journey. Just share with me your journey. I'm not asking you for a contact. I'm not asking you to get me a job. I really don't even asking. I don't ask people for favors. I don't. And it's just so f strange to me how she never fucking responded and she saw it. She saw my, my message. Fuck that bitch. But... Badass bitch. Um, yeah, you know what, you know, whatever, but still I, still I rise, <laughs> still I rise. I'm just, I'm feeling really good, actually. 
I am. Oh, I want to talk about something before I get into this part. So, okay. So after influencer culture, yada, 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 maladaptive dreaming. Now, one may think, what is that? I'm going to give you um, a specific, direct definition of maladaptive. Is Oh, it's called maladaptive daydreaming specifically. So it's basically excessive daydreaming. And it's when an individual experiences so much daydreaming that it interferes with their daily life. It is proposed as a a diagnosis of a disordered form of disassociative absorption associated with excessive fantasy that is not recognized by any major medical or psychological criteria. Maladaptive daydreaming can cause can result in distress, can replace human interaction, and may interfere with normal functioning such as social life or work. Maladaptive daydreaming is not a widely recognized diagnosis and is not found in any major diagnostic manual of psychiatry or medicine because it's like it's I guess it's fairly new or fairly um, coined. This is something that has been happening, you know, very, very much a time ago. But I I think this is so interesting because I I relate it to influencer culture and social media and how when, you know, sometimes when we're, and I'm including myself into this, when we're mindlessly scrolling through Instagram. Sometimes I will find myself just scrolling. I'll, I'll, I'll click a tag of a person who I saw on someone else who I follow on my Instagram. And I will click her, I will click that tag of that person and then look through her photos, look through her videos and look through her images and look through her stories and I would find myself somewhat entrenched. Is it entrenched or entrenched? Um, just very much indulged in her world or this idea that she has created online of what her world is. And every time, like, I'll take a moment. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Every time I will take a moment to oh, let me go to use the bathroom, right? Or let me, um, you know, cook some food or I'm going to put my phone down for a second. I realized, wow, for for the last, let's say, 20 minutes, I was in a trance. I was in a trance. And I was just so engulfed in this random person's world that they've created online of what their world looks like. And their world could be completely opposite of what they portray online, right? That's often sometimes the case, at least. But this is what is so dangerous because you have some people who struggle with maladaptive daydreaming, who are excessively daydreaming because they've created a refuge in their mind and they create these fantasies and they create these characters. And although one may describe that, Oh, you're just being creative and you could, 
you could use that as an like you could use that as an outlet to write a book, to write a, a movie, you know, a movie script, a, a TV show script, you know, whatever. But sometimes people are not doing that, right? I'm not. So people are not taking that opportunity to use that productively. Instead, they're taking this this condition as a way to completely detach themselves from the real world and they lose friendships they lose relationships they lose work opportunities their social life is completely depleted because of this and I think you know when you have and look social media is a tool right you could you could absolutely use it for good and then you could absolutely use it for danger you could absolutely not be mindful of how you're being used by social media and being victimized by it. And I think people who struggle with maladaptive daydreaming is oftentimes because, because I remember being younger and I was very much in my head. Like I had, I created characters in my mind. I remember this character. I still remember her to this day. I literally conjured her up in my mind. Like she lives or she lived in my mind. She doesn't live in my mind anymore. I just remember her. But it was this like Mariah Carey type of character. Like she favored Mariah Carey. Um, I, I thought of her or I created her as this like struggling actress, not actress, um, singer, a struggling singer. And she finally caught a hit. And she got nominated for a Grammy and won that Grammy. And I remember a particular scene that I've created in my head when I was younger. I was probably like 11, 12, around that age of this of this woman. And she had this like curly blonde hair, biracial, like similar to Mar- Mariah Carey. But she looked more, her features were more black, Um but yet she was still super, super light skinned. Her hair was still uh, of a of a lighter texture and of a, you know a curlier texture, or whatever. And it was blonde. It was a blonde brown color, and it was like to her back, and it was like curly texture. Yeah, and I'm just remembering right now, <laughs> and that she was. I remember her. I created her too. <laughs> She was on, she was at the Grammy. She won a Grammy. <laughs> this character won a Grammy that I created. I forget if I, I probably did name her, but I don't remember the name. But this character won a Grammy and she wore this, um, or I made her wear, <laughs> I made her wear this red long sequence dress and one there's a strap that's a spaghetti strap on one side and the other side is like a thicker strap but it could go down her her shoulder so it's like it's not on her shoulder but it's like down right and so I created her and she's like so humble and so grateful for this Grammy and she works so hard for it Anyway, I bring that up to say I, I maladapted daydreamed a lot. I, I did that a lot when I was younger. I used to draw a lot when I was younger. Um, I used to draw a lot when I was younger, and I would draw these pageants. I would create these, like, pageants of, of, of 
yeah, like a pageant show. And I would have like 10 women I would draw, 10 different style of women. And each of them, and I would draw like series of them. So, oh my God, that was like a really fun time that I would do. I was so creative when I was younger. And I'm, you know, I'm creative now, but I just, you know, when you're a kid and you're creative, there's no there's no fear of being judged. You just kind of do it. Um, anyway, I remember drawing these series of women in this pageant. And one paper I would draw of them, they're wearing the, the ball gown, right? Formal wear, you know, with TV pageants, because I used to watch them a lot when I was younger with my mom. And, you know, there's one there's one round of formal wear and you'll see the pageant girls wearing their formal wear and then the next round will be swimwear and then you'll see the pageant girls wearing their swimwear so I would literally draw my own adaptation of that and I would draw it in series and I would go to each family member in my home and ask them which one is the prettiest, which one is the most stylish, and they'll vote for whomever, and then I'll determine the final winner. <laughs> and then I'll, I think I had, yeah, I, I drew the last round of who was crowned as the Miss Pageant of, you know, of Boston, Massachusetts, or <laughs> whatever. And, um, oh, my gosh, I, just, I used to draw so much when I was younger. But all that really was an escape. It really was. There was, like, a lot of things going on in my home when I was younger. And I, in retrospect, I'm looking at it now, I realized that I did things to escape from reality. So drawing was my way of creating my own reality. I created a reality of these pageant girls. And honestly, I think the woman who I created in my mind, in my maladaptive daydreaming, um, I think she was one of the women who I drew on paper. And I just formed her in my mind and made her walk and move and talk and have a personality. Like, I did all of that. <laughs> it's so funny to say this out loud because it sounds kind of creepy. But seriously, that that's what I did when I was younger. But yeah, that was my way of escaping <clears throat> and I think um I don't know I think about like off you know I think when people are maladaptive daydreaming it's really just a sign of <laughs> maybe it's a help right maybe it's a sign of help but I, I don't know it's, 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 a, it's a myriad of things it could be a sign of help it could be you know I just I'm bored, right? Or I don't know how to exert this energy into something productive, right? You know, so maybe if someone who is maladaptive daydreaming and is struggling with that, they could learn how to put that into a book, like write a book, write a story, um, just create, do something that can help you take what's ever in your mind and put it on something, put it on paper, maybe putting in, you know, put it in music, put it in acting, put it in, put it somewhere so that you cannot be victimized by your mind. Because sometimes with our mind, there's different areas in our mind that we just haven't controlled yet. And we're victimized by that, right? We're not, 
like we're not trained enough to know how to control our thoughts. So, of course, we're going to feel like whatever our mind says to do, we do. And unfortunately, you have some people who struggle with suicide and, um, you know, suicidal ideations. And unfortunately, if you are exposed to maybe just one image of someone hanging, right, maybe you saw a crazy ass video on the Internet one day and that stuck with you. Now, next thing you know, your mind is going to recreate that and say, oh, I wonder how that felt or I wonder how it feels to wrap something around my neck. And then, you know, if you're already struggling with depression and just angst and strong anxiety, that is something that is just dangerous, right? So I think, you know, um, knowledge, again, if you're not hoarding information, if you're sharing your process with people, if you're looking at your neighbor, giving them eye contact at the very fucking least, like how I walk out of my elevator or walk out my apartment door and you right from the elevator, you don't even look up. Like what is in your phone that you're so in, what? People drive me nuts sometimes. Like, I remember in college, shout out to my roommate, my college roommate. <laughs> Every time we were on campus, I mean, we lived on campus, but, like, I remember, like, outside of our apartment, because we always lived in, well, for me at least. No, no, yeah, for me. Because I every every year of my college years, undergraduate years, I lived in an apartment. It was a uh, like a college apartment. Um, so I never experienced dorm life. I don't even know what that's like. <laughs> that's beneath me. <laughs> no, no, but that ass, I never lived in an apartment. It just worked out that way. It just, I just never lived in an apartment. And shout out to God. But seriously, um, anyway, so outside of our apartment, I remember, like, say if I'm, like, catching her at, um, the quad or some other campus spot like that's on campus that's, that's on the central campus I will always see her on her phone like she'll always be looking down she'll look down while looking at her phone while crossing the street while um getting up and getting into the shuttle like she was always looking down um looking back on it I realized that she struggled with anxiety though so and depression so I think that has a lot to do with it but I just remember in that moment you know I didn't have that language back then and I didn't know what anxiety was like that wasn't a word that was exposed to me at all when I was younger like literally just a couple years ago it was so that's interesting but um, I just remember she was always on her phone. She will always be looking down. And I'm just wondering, like, what the fuck is she looking at? Like, what is going on? Like, look up. Make eye contact. Hmm. So it just makes sense now. So thinking back to that neighbor who I see in front of the elevator, sometimes when I walk out of my apartment and go to the elevator, she um, is always looking at her phone. So maybe she struggles with anxiety and depression. <laughs> um but whatever maladaptive daydreaming I think the recipe or the remedy actually for that is to just get a job right like I'm, gonna <laughs> I'm so big no I think the recipe for that the remedy I'm not gonna say recipe maybe I'm hungry 
think I am. But I think the remedy for that is to get something going for yourself, right? And when I say get a job, I know that sounds flippantly. Um, I know that sounds flippant, but I think what I'm just trying to say is get something to distract yourself, right? And I think, you know, oftentimes with a job, you're distracted or, you know, depending on what the job is. But get something to do, right? Um, get a hobby that you're really interested in. Maybe you like painting when you was younger. Go ahead and pick that back up. Um, maybe you want to get into the music industry or, you know, I don't know. But, like, whatever it is that you are not doing because you're so fixated in your daydreaming, figure out what is a hobby of yours that you could spend more time doing. And then ultimately those characters that you created in your mind, they go away. Like, I haven't thought about that woman who I was telling y'all about, who I created in my mind. I haven't thought about her until now, until I just brought her up just for this moment. Now, I hope she doesn't come back and... <laughs> I hope she doesn't come back into my life at this point. <laughs> like, girl, this was, this was Maxine at 11. Like, let's not. I'm 31. I do not want to deal with this maladaptive daydreaming shit. But, you know, I think this is something that I think a lot um, a lot of young people probably deal with. This other woman who I, let me see if I could find her on Instagram. This is Haitian girl. She's actually a Haitian influencer. No, I'm not talking about Juju. What's her name? That other one with the, the crazy-ass makeup. Um, I can't remember her name, but I remember um, when I was following her, I, I why did I stop following her? I think I just got annoyed with her content. But her, her face is literally appearing in my mind right now. But I can't remember her name. But anyway, she um she revealed, which I actually really appreciate, because, again, I, I appreciate transparency. Tell us about your journey. Don't just tell me how you fucking got there, right? How did you afford that trip? <laughs> but anyway, so she... um. She shared that she struggles with maladaptive daydreaming and she was seeing her therapist and they came to the um, conclusion that she has this thing called maladaptive daydreaming. And that was the first time I heard about this, this term. So I looked into it and learned about it ever since that point. Um, so I was very fascinated by that and just her being this Haitian girl and, she she like she really struggled with it like it she um she noticed that it interfered with her her relationships it interfered like her parents will call or she she was describing one time her mom calling her out one time because she would spend more time sleeping or more time laying in bed and that's the thing with maladaptive daydreaming you're gonna spend more time in bed right? Because you want to spend more time in your mind. You want to spend more time in your thoughts. So either you're going to be sleeping more or you're going to just be laying down in a daze or in a trance, really. And so she was ex she was doing that a lot and she finally got called out for it or she got called out for enough times for her to finally get checked out. And that's what they determined that she had. I don't know what she did to treat it, actually. Oh, my gosh, I forgot her name. And I remember reaching out to her, and she responded. We had a brief conversation on Instagram. That was a really interesting conversation. But 
um, yeah, she was transparent and she shared her experience. And um, I want to say she got a prescription for it, which I, ugh, you know, let's let's get into that. So, okay. You guys know I've been struggling with anxiety for, I feel like it's been heavier lately or not. I don't know, but I, I think um, it was it's just been in my face more than I wanted it to or than I've experienced before. Um, I think sometimes with, naturally with anxiety, like if, if things are not structured or in control or in place, of course, you're going to feel more anxious and you're going to feel more just out of whack, right? And considering that I decided to make a, a big career move and, and leave the practice of teaching and um, not necessarily have a backup secure job in line, of course, naturally, like anxiety will kind of rival or resurface its way up. But, you know, so the past few weeks, you know, I shared with you guys some health concerns and me feeling like I was having a panic attack to the point where I went to the emergency room and all of these things. I don't want to, I don't even want to, I don't even look forward to that bill eventually coming into the mail. Like, what the fuck are y'all charging me? I feel like ER shouldn't charge, right? Like, I feel like if I had to come to you in the process of an ER why are you stressing me out with a charge, with a cost? Anyway, so I brought the, why did I bring that up? So anyway, yeah, so yada, 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 right? So, um, yeah, so I was struggling with that, and I was thinking about, like, you know, like, there's anxiety around money and, you know, making sure that's secure and making sure I have enough of this. Oh my gosh, what if I don't have enough of that? What if I don't have enough of that? And I was just like getting to these chokeholds with, within myself. And yet it's funny because though I feel like I was, I, I've been dealing with anxiety a little bit more than regular, I've still been experiencing more calm, more calmness than regular. Like I'm not necessarily like in a, a frenzy like I'm not singing in a corner rocking myself like I, I'm not doing that it's just there are slight moments when I'm frazzled but for the most part I've been doing better and just doing really well at feeding into my hope my faith and all of that yada yada yeah so I realized that I've been looking at other opportunities to relieve my anxiety, such as I'm going to go on YouTube and find people who struggle with money anxiety or this, this anxiety or that anxiety, and then watch how they do it, right? I'm going to do some breath work, which is cool, and that, you know, that helps. Okay, cool. Um, when my heart was palpitating a lot, though, it didn't, like, necessarily stop it. I think it's like more of a mental thing with breath work. But anyway, so I was doing breath work. Um, I would listen to like this meditation type of music to help me kind of just calm my thoughts. What else would I do? Um, this is a YouTuber I watch who is, I really appreciate her channel. She 
is very transparent and very open about her anxiety and her anxiety is really rooted in money and she grew up in a home in which they were very much of a lack mindset um, of a scarcity mindset I don't have enough I'm never gonna have enough oh my gosh I'm broke I'm broke I'm broke right so she grew up with that mindset very much so and it bled into her adulthood and um with that she feels always this intensity around money especially since she she's an entrepreneur she's a freelancer she does contract work um she does youtube of course and although she has been supporting herself and yeah so she supports herself she's a single unmarried well she's in a relationship with someone but they don't live together she's unmarried let me just say that she's unmarried she has a dog she lives at she lives on her own and she lives in fucking canada communist canada so that's already enough right <laughs> but i think she's more of a liberal so she probably don't see it as communist <laughs> But she lives in communist Canada. <laughs> anyway, so she is very, very open about her money anxieties. And she would, like, cry on her YouTube videos, some YouTube videos of hers that I've watched. She's she's cried in. And she would say how she spent too much this month. or And it's not even too much. Like, she she will feel so guilty with spending any money, right? And it's like, you have to spend money, right? Like, you have to... Um, you have to spend money, right, in this world that we live in. Like, nothing is free, right? You have to spend money to eat. You have to spend money to clothe yourself, right? Sometimes we change our clothes, and we have to because maybe what we have isn't fitting our body or it's not um, befitting to this event, and we have to upgrade. And, like, all of these things are things that we have to do in order to be a full-fledged adult in this world. And there's this guilt that she has around that. Or even if she spent a little bit extra that month because she was in attendance of her friend's wedding and she spent a little bit more to celebrate that that moment. And she felt so guilty afterwards when she was looking back on her finances. And it's like, dang, you know, I hate that she feels guilty, right? Like, I hate that she struggles with this guilt and this anxiety around money when it's like she had to spend that money or, you know, it's okay that she spent that money to celebrate her friend. And, you know, it all comes back to her her lack mindset. And, um, yeah, so she's very aware of that. And she says she, she goes to therapy and she does meditation and she breathes in and out and she drinks her water and she exercises and she does all these things. And it's like, these are the things I do too, right? You know, I, I work out, you know, I, I go outside and they help, but I realized they don't last. And I know this may ruffle some people's feathers. And I'm here to ruffle them up, bitch. <laughs> I'm going back to what I know. What do you mean by that, Maxine? I mean, I'm going back to my faith. 
I'm going back to God. I'm going back to the church. I'm going back to the Bible. I'm going back to the standing rock. I'm going back to the foundation. I'm going back to that because through experience, I've tried everything else, right? I've tried even for a period of time. And I talked about this in, in episodes ago. I think it was um, last year's Podmas, not the year, not the one that just passed, the one before that, the first year of Podmas. I was very open about how new age religion is really here to fuck you up. Like it's really here to distract you and destroy you and make you further away from God. And I think um, since my return, look, I'm just now getting really back into my faith and into praying and into inviting God in. But just in the brief early time of that, I've seen so much of a difference. And what I mean by that is I think with anxiety and like confidence and, and uh, doubts, we tend to, we tend to think that we are in control. And I know this like, is like such of a hard rhetoric to accept, but we have little control. We really do. And what I mean by that is our emotions are fluctuating. Our feelings are fleeting. And one day we may have just the, the, wow, we have so much motivation today and we have the drive today and wow, we're going to go after it. Oh, you the baddest bitch, right? You look in the mirror, you love what you see. And then the next day you feel totally different. You feel totally, completely opposite of that. And it's a struggle to get out of bed. It's a struggle to even look yourself in the mirror. It's a struggle to to get to work that day. And I say this because we like to think that, oh, if we just change our thoughts, like if we just do it ourselves, if we just... If we just, if we just, right? This is woman who I follow. I don't follow her actually. No, I came across her Instagram just a couple of days ago, and she was, uh, she's, she claims herself to be like the confidence queen, right? And like, you have the right to like change your narrative, and you, if you think this way, then it's gonna be this way. And look, I get that to a, to a degree, but I think the problem with her with her rhetoric is that. Um, I think the problem with her rhetoric is that she puts it like that type of speech, you put it upon yourself. You think that you have control, but you don't. And instead of giving that to God, we leave that burden on our backs and we wear that burden and that burden weighs us down. And that burden, and then we think we got it, right? And we have a temporary fix of, oh, I did yoga, right? Oh, I'm good. Or, oh, I meditated. Oh, I'm good. Oh, I, you know, took a walk outside. And look, outside, I think all those things are helpful, but they're temporary. And when your faith is not rooted, like if your faith is only if you don't have faith, right? Like if you don't have that structure, if you don't have that belief in God, if you don't have that knowing in God, right? If you don't have that 
knowing in him that, oh, he's my provider. He will protect me. He he he's nothing. He's not a liar. He's a man of his word. Right. Like if you don't have that knowing within yourself, you're going to feel everything is all on you. You're going to feel like things are falling apart. And, you know, if you add on if you're not someone who's privileged, if you don't come from a privileged background and, you know, you get in out the mud, you know, type of thing, then it's it feels even more of an angst. <laughs> But when you leave that to God, there is this, there's this relief that comes upon you. There's this, there's this energy that comes upon you and you're like, okay, I do what I can. I let go of the control. I surrender it all to God and I let him do him. Um, and then your anxiety is relieved. There's this verse that's that's from 1 Peter 5 or 7. It says, give all your worries. And different versions say, cast your worries, cast your anxieties. So it depends on what version you're reading. But it says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And what's so great about this verse is that when you add more of God there's less of whatever it is that you're struggling with. So when there's more of God in your life, there's less opportunity, there's less time for you to be anxious. When you add more worship and more prayer time into your world, into your daily living, there's less of an opportunity to be anxious and to be worried and to be fearful of what's to come or the unknown and the lack of control and all, like there's, there's, focus on him and I know there are some people online who say who may say something similar but they leave God out of it right so there's like some there's some rhetoric out there that there's some rhetoric out there that will say um like focus on the positive you know don't focus on the negative and like I think those things are they're helpful again I think they're helpful but they're not anchored in something strong, right? Because you could go about your day and, like, write down lists of what you're grateful for, you know, a gratitude list. And that's helpful and all, but how do I say this? That's, but it's like I think sometimes people may forget the intangible, right? Like they may be grateful for the physical, the material, you know, stuff like that. But the intangible is also something to be grateful for, you know, and God forbid you're in a position where the intangible, the, the tangible is gone, right? So now you lose track of what you're grateful for. So what I'm saying, I, I say that because if you're like if you're putting your gratitude and your faith on things that you have then again that's not rooted in something that's strong and foundational like god <laughs> Ooh, i'm having i don't know it's allergies like what's going on anyway so let's say Build a relationship with God. I don't know. I, I like I again. I think, um, and I'm tired of like 
I feel like I have this like insecurity around sharing why I think God is necessary to y'all. Like, I, I don't know. It's weird because literally this podcast is God built this. But I remember like the earlier, like a few years ago when I was like my first or second year here in Houston and I would talk to people about my podcast, I always felt the need to be like, oh no, but it's not a religious podcast. It's not like, <laughs> it's not, it's not. <laughs> okay, Trump. No, but I always felt the need to kind of like give a disclaimer and make them forget that God is in the title. And I'm still kind of working on my pitch of like, Ooh, what, what is your podcast about? What is it? It's like, just fucking listen. Like I don't, <laughs> just fucking listen. It's about any and everything. Right. Um, but lately I've been saying like, it's about basically having an opinion and owning that and being, um, being rooted in who God I haven't been saying, have I been saying God? But I'm just saying, like, you know, having an opinion and, like, and rooting in that. But I don't know if I like that, like, that pitch. <laughs> like, what the fuck? What does that mean? But anyway, I, I just say that because, it's like, I talk about any and everything, right? But, okay, so, anyway, I'm going to make an attempt to not give a disclaimer and not feel like I have to apologize for talking about God on a podcast that's literally called God built this like what um so yeah anyway I've been going back to God I've been going back to God I've been leaving it to him I've been praying more (sighs) that's been really great that's been really great um I've been praying more what else I went to a church service in person I haven't done that in years no it's been a really long time you know since the pandemic and I you know when the pandemic dwindled down I was not interested in still going to church because I noticed the church that I've gone to previously here it seemed like they had this message of wear a mask you know still come here and wear a mask and it's like, fuck y'all. Well, I'm not wearing no fucking mask. You know, I'm not wearing a mask at church. So that also discouraged me from going. Um, and then the comments that he, the, the ignorant, ignorant ass comments that he made about Haiti just also discouraged me from going to that church. Um, anyway, so I decided to find a Haitian church to go to. Because I, so a couple of days ago, I had to get a new car battery. And when I entered that AutoZone, I went to AutoZone, I entered the store, I spoke to the person who works there, an employee, and it's this black man, African, of course he's African, fucking Africans are everywhere. These fucking real, these fucking Africans are everywhere. No, but definitely African. I don't remember his name, Peter. I don't fucking know. Who cares? Um, but I approached him and I said, "Hi, how are you? Um, I'm doing good. How are you? Right? Oh, well, he asked me hi. How how am I? And I answered and I asked him the same." Um, I told him about my car 
and said that I may need to get a new car battery. Um, and I was told that AutoZone is a great place for me to go because you guys will be able to check that out for me. And, you know, I was doing the whole spiel, right? And the way that I talk, if you guys haven't noticed, I'm very kind. Okay, I'm ve- I am. I'm very kind. I make you feel comfortable. Like, I, I'm, I don't know. It's God built this, right? Like, literally, I, I recognize, you know, this, this has been like a couple of years ago. I finally recognized that I do have a way of making people feel comfortable and, like, happy with me. Like, <laughs> like I can make you happy with me <laughs> until you're not happy with me because I, I did something or, you know, something happened. I don't know. But, like, for the most part, like, um, I make you feel good, right? I make you feel comfortable with me. I make you feel at peace. I like niggas say that all the time about me. You make you just you make me happy. <laughs> it's like okay, and I I don't even be doing it. I just I don't. I just I'm just present with you. You know, for the most part, at least, right? Anyway, so I'm present with this guy. I'm like <laughs> telling him about my car battery. <laughs> And um, the first thing he says to me in response is, what church do you go to? And I'm like, oh, nigga, what the fuck are we doing? Can you just check my car battery? <laughs> That's me in my head, of course. But I didn't know how to answer him because I haven't been to a church in so, in so long. And I felt uncomfortable with that question because of that reality. Like, damn, I haven't been to a church in so long. I don't have a church home here. I don't, I don't have a church. Um, but I flippantly said, oh, well, first I was like, oh, I don't, oh, we don't go to the same church. I said it like that. That was the first thing I said. He's like, oh, he doesn't go to church. I'm like, oh, okay. Obviously, you don't go to church, right? <laughs> African. <laughs> I'm kidding. Damn. I may come across as a racist towards Africans. It's a joke. Fuck. But anyway, he asked me that. And the reason why he asked me that is he said I, like, just my demeanor and how I present myself and how kind and nice I was and I didn't walk in here. And here's the thing with some, like, I had noticed, like, a lot of foreigners, you know, Africans, Haitians, or whomever. Um, even some black Americans, actually. But anyway, there's <laughs> there's always this, Tariq Nasheed would hate this, huh? But he said, he said, you you came in here and you, you wasn't like, I need help. Like, he was saying how I didn't have an attitude and I wasn't basically ghetto and, like, I didn't have this, like, nasty attitude. And I'm like, yeah, because what the fuck? Like, what? (laughs) But why would I? Like, but why does that even make sense? And he said, you know, well, I didn't say that part, but he just basically said how he dealt a lot with customers who are black Americans who would have attitudes and they would walk in very just rude and have a nasty way about themselves. And it's like, okay, I think he's, you know, he's giving me a compliment, but it's like, dang, you know, we ain't got a shit on black Americans like that all the time. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't fuck. I ain't black. So I'm good. <laughs> I'm racist. 
No, but I would do that sometimes. I remember in college, I would say, like, I'm not black, I'm Haitian. I'm not black, I'm Haitian, right? <laughs> but I would do it kind of petty because I was trying to get in the skin of someone who was, like, she was just black American. Like, she didn't have, not that she didn't have culture, but she didn't have, like, a, you know, like an ethnic background like myself. So I, it was funny to say, oh, I could, like, dabble in black and I could dabble in Haitian. Like, I'm Haitian, or, I, or I'm black American, right? So it's just funny. Anyway, so he said that. He's like, so either you go to church, or you are, like, you're not black American. And I'm like, oh, that's actually both. <laughs> or I haven't been to church in a long time, but, like, that's actually both. I was, I, so I said, um, yeah, my parents are from Haiti, and... Um, I grew up in the church, and I'm like, yeah, they basically raised me right. And I, you know, yes, he had a funny way of, like, complimenting me and all that, but that struck me. It struck me in a positive way because I, I, I had to, like, I realized in that moment, my parents raised me right. And I know they weren't perfect, and I know they had their flaws, and I know that, in my childhood, I, I had maladaptive daydreaming probably because of some things that I did. And, you know, like I shared earlier, I, I created characters in my mind and I drew a lot. And I was very much like into these like creative outlets to escape reality. And look, my parents were far from perfect. But what they did was raise me and my sister right like they really raised us in church they raised us like they rooted us in faith they rooted us in God and you know say what you want about the church and look I have said a lot about the church and I have said a lot about religion and all of that but I think ultimately there are so many benefits from the church there are so many there are so many advantages that I take away from the church to this day. I take away from my upbringing to this day. And that is just, I always go back to my faith. Like, that's always my foundation. That's my standing ground. That's my way of getting through, you know? And I realize more and more that not a lot of people have that. Like, not a lot of people grew up with parents like mine. Not a lot of people know the Bible like I may do, you know, like I do. Um, not a lot of people had that foundation, you know. Not a lot of people had parents, right? Like not a lot of people, and I'm not saying everyone. I'm just saying like there are people who had the absence of a parent. And it could have been both parents or one parent, but I just noticed a lot that in my adulthood – I, I receive a lot of people saying, like, you were raised differently. Like, you were, it looked like you were raised right. Or it looked like, you know, you have both parents in your life. Or it looked like you were raised in the church. Or, like, there's certain mannerisms that I have and just way of being that I have that is different from someone who weren't raised in the same capacity as I was. I'm not saying it's, like, you know, to toot my horn, but be beat. I'm not trying to come off like that <laughs> I know it probably does come off like that but I think though anyway I tell that to say I decided to go back to what I know 
I decided to go back to what has been working for me and what has been working for me for a long time, you know, growing up. And I think I've always, like, dealt with anxiety, um, like, when I was younger, but it never... Actually, I don't know if it ever, like, handicapped me or made me feel like I couldn't go on type of thing. And, you know, things are much different now. Years later, like, society, the culture that we're living in is different. So I think all that plays into effect. But I I feel like there is definitely some credit to be made to to God to the Bible to prayer to worship and all of that that has helped me so much in my upbringing and having the absence of that in my adulthood um for the past year or so you know considering you know the excuses that I would make like you know I wouldn't go to church in person because I'm not trying to fucking wear a mask or you know, this pastor said some ignorant remarks about Haiti, and it's like, okay, I can go to another church, right? Anyway, I would make these excuses, and I realized in those moments, I thought I was trying to treat my anxiety to the best of my ability, but I was doing everything else but God. And um, so, yeah, so that moment with that AutoZone employee <laughs> inspired me to look into finding a Haitian church to go to. And why a Haitian church, Maxine? Why not just go to another black American church? You went to a black American church before here, and why not just... Um, I decided to go Haitian church because there's nothing like Haitian praise and worship. And again, I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to what brought me up. And there's a connection there, right? You know... I have parents from Haiti, and growing up in a Haitian household, like, it connects me back home without necessarily having me to be back home in Boston, right? It's like a home-away-from-home opportunity. So I decided, you know, let me look into finding a Haitian church here in Houston. So that's what I did, and I ended up going to their church service on their Sunday service, um, this past Sunday, there was a little miscommunication hack or whatever that happened on Friday because I was I was interested in going to their prayer service. Because with Haitian services, uh, church services, their prayer service is is oh my gosh, it's amazing! It's amazing! It's amazing! Why is it amazing? It's amazing because um. With prayer service, like, you're really praying, right? Like, um, it's not just, like, very structured or, like, rigid, what I mean to say. Yeah, rigid. It's not just very rigid. Okay, we only pray once or twice, and then we get into sermon, and then we stop the service. No, no, no. We're praying down. We're praying for deliverance. We're praying for um, for peace. We're praying for protection, right? We have prayer requests. We have people go up to the front and um share their testimonies and like we have those moments and it's it's powerful right because you're in community with people um there's this bond you feel god in the room the holy spirit is present it's a beautiful time 
So that's what I love about Haitian prayer services, Haitian church prayer services. And when I've gone to um, this black American church, the one that I've gone to before, Lighthouse, their prayer service would feel very rigid. Like it felt like a show, even with their Sunday service. Like everything felt like a show. Like it was, it was like we were watching people praise and worship up on the altar while they do, you know, a phenomenal job singing and a phenomenal job, you know, how they pray. Like they have a way of like, wow, they really, they could really sing. And like they, um, I remember a couple of services, there were people who were brought in like actual, like gospel artists and people from other churches will come in and sing and, it was beautiful watching their gift, right, and their talent, but it just felt like a show. And in those moments, I'm like, damn, like, I miss going to a church service that was just genuinely about worshiping God together and was genuinely about just, like, crying out to him and sharing these testimonies and sharing how God moved in their lives. And this, that church that I went to, Lighthouse, um, I've never seen anyone go up to the altar and be like, I'm here to share a testimony. Never. They never, like, they don't let people from the congregation talk, really. <laughs> like, it's actually kind of weird, come to think about it. They wouldn't let people in the congregation talk much, like, you, you don't have an opportunity to go up and be like, or like be a part of the, the agenda for that day, the schedule for that day to start going up there and sharing your testimony. Like what? You, like you don't hear all the times I've gone to the lighthouse church service. I would never see, Oh, the women's ministry are going up to sing. <laughs> The men's ministry, the youth ministry, like, they never did that. All the times that I've gone, and I've gone to several services, I've never seen that. It was always a production. It was, oh, yo, I'm really thinking about it right now. Like, wow, that's crazy. It was always a production. The production was this this show that the praise and worship team will put on, and then the pastor will come on and do his, like, Instagram worthy ass preach and sure of course he'll reference the Bible but he will go on these tangents about his personal life and these like metaphors and stuff and it's like but what does that have to do with Peter from 1 Peter 5 or 7 right what does that have to do with like like you know and you know I think with these and that's I guess that's a considered that church is considered a mega church now, but I think with these mega churches, there's this, you know, when you get bigger, unfortunately, there's this lack of desire to to be genuine. There's this lack of desire to get back to the basics and get on your knees and pray. Get on your fucking knees and pray. You don't have that. But the Haitian church I went to just yesterday, or at the time of the recording, 
um, you got on your knees and prayed. You got on your knees and you worship God. You like that was what I that's what I grew up on. That's what I know. So it felt so refreshing. Oh my goodness. It felt so refreshing to go back to that. I instantly like I haven't been to a Haitian church service in such a long time, but as soon as I went inside, I it's like riding a bike, right? You know, I just I just immediately picked it up. The songs that they sung I haven't heard them in a minute, but I remember them. And everything was in Haitian Creole. So I was singing the song in Haitian Creole. I was worshiping in Haitian Creole. I was speaking to other people in Haitian Creole. Um, it was a really, it was a really good time. And who knows, like, I'm not trying to, like, fucking save the church. I'm not, because it's an actually small church. Or, like, it's a community church, really. Like, what I mean by that is it seems to be, like, family a family unit. Um, the pastor was like talking to me and he's like, he would love like to have me on as a member. And <laughs> he wants to know what I could bring to the table. Cause I, I, he asked me, you know, what church I came to. Oh, what church, what, what work did I do in the church before? And I said how I was the young adult ministry leader in my home church back in Boston and you know I was in the praise and worship team and <laughs> he was like oh he would love it like basically you know to bring these gifts and talents to this church and it's like okay sir this is my first service <laughs> give me a second <laughs> let me let me become a member first like just give me a second but um you know I'm gonna pray to God about that and see and see what he wants me to do. Because I think that's a reason why I, you know, I felt convicted to go and that I went and it was great and all these things. But we'll just give it time because I'm not trying to save anybody or any church or all of that. But, you know, what's funny. When I walked in, I was looking around and I was like, okay, this church has potential to grow. <laughs> like that, I immediately go into these ideas that I have and, like, just looking at the congregation and seeing the demographic, like it just reminded me of my home church and all that I've done humbly. And I'm not saying that's a tomb. I'm really not, but like I did a lot for my home church. I brought up the engagement level of the young adults at my home church. And that was missing a lot from my home church. And I'm so grateful that God gave me that opportunity and I think, like, you know, what if God is trying to tell me to do the same thing for this church? But, I, look, I don't fucking know these people. Who knows? Who knows? Again, I'll pray on it. I forgot to add that to my prayer today, this morning. But I'll pray on it and see what happens. But, again, that was a really great time. I do plan to return, and I'll possibly go to some midweek services, like their Bible study or prayer service or both. Who, who knows? Um, but yeah, like it, I had a great weekend. I had a great weekend. That was a great time. And, and you know, I, I will always, you know, I will always come on here and talk about how I'm doing it on my own and, you know, I don't have anyone to lean on <laughs> type of thing. Or like, you know, I don't have a spouse, right? Like I don't, like I'm unmarried and I don't have the flexibility or the comfort or the, what is that? Um, the cushion net 
what is yeah i think that's what it's called whatever but like the safety net that's what it is the safety net of having a spouse who could hold me down um you know if i'm unemployed and you know all the bills are on me yada 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 and I, I put a lot of pressure on myself and it's like, okay, yeah, sure. I'm unmarried. Right. And, um, I'm taking care of myself, but I'm not on my own. Right. I do have help and I'm just so grateful for my parents. Like, seriously, like I, uh, you know, they really, my parents are really the bomb.com. And I, I think I just didn't, put a lot of focus on I do have supportive parents like I, I keep on thinking that I have to take, get it out of the mud like what the fuck I didn't grow up in the in the hood I didn't I'm not trying to become a battle rapper like I'm not what are we talking about <laughs> you know but I should have to say like I have parents who care and love and will demonstrate that love in many ways but at the very least like they they're good parents and for that i'm so grateful so i need to stop thinking that it's all on me and now i can understand <laughs> and i think it's also this like pressure that i put upon myself that i put upon myself to like have it all together and once i have it all together they'll be proud of me and you know they'll be happy for me and all these things like oh once I get my house my I could you know my parents will be proud of me and proud that I moved here to Houston or you know I'll call my parents once I get a job secured and it's like no like talk to them throughout every moment like they're here like my mom has demonstrated so much of her support and love for me and I just I'm just at a loss because I, I I really like conjured up this idea in my mind that yeah, they're my parents, but it's only, like, you know, their love is limited type of thing. It's just weird. It's like, no, their love is limitless. Like, I'm so grateful that I have them as my parents, you know? And I think also there's this, like, oh, when you're an adult, like, this, like, hardening that we have to take on as adults. Oh, you decided to live on your own, and it's all on you now. It's like... No, <laughs> like, no, like if you need help, you could ask for help or you could receive the offer that is being given to you of help. Like you can, and that's okay. That, that's, that doesn't take away from your independence. It doesn't take away from your adulthood. It doesn't take away from your intelligence or your way of caring for yourself. Like, no, like you are of a village. You are of a community. You come from a community. You, you you didn't come out of wolves, right? You didn't birth yourself. You come from people, people who love you and who, who are your family. Lean on to that. Maxine, fuck. <laughs> oh, this episode is longer than I thought it would be. And I'm grateful that I covered these topics. There's more that I wanted to cover, but I'm having like a nose attack right now. Ah, it's so annoying. So I'm going to end the episode here and I'll share, I'll possibly share the other topics I had in mind on the next episode. All right, you guys. So again, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you are subscribed 
And please make sure you have left me a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. And make sure you to tell a friend. Tell a friend about this podcast. Share it out loud. I'm black and I'm proud. I'll check in with you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of God Built This Podcast with your host, Maxine. Be sure to leave a review, give me five stars, and of course, subscribe. Also, follow God Built This Podcast on Instagram at God Built This Pod. God bless.